Welcome to the very first uh, podcast episode of The Vibe Weekly. Mm -hmm. I am Dustin Parker, and I am here with my lovely wife, Rachel. Hi. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things um, that I wrote about this year in The Vibe uh, to kind of kick the new year off right. Um, And then uh, we're going to try this little experiment and release a podcast every couple weeks see how it goes see what you guys think please give us feedback um and hopefully we can bring you some cool content and keep things vibing yeah it's been a really fun year i was thinking looking through stuff that for those of you that don't know i get to be the first reader of the vibe every week and do like a little check for typos and stuff before we send it out and kind of going back through and looking at all the topics it was kind of like a trip down memory lane of all the things that we've been talking about over the course of the year. So I'm excited. Yeah, I kind of started the vibe um, almost just kind of scratched my own itch. No real intention other than to share some of the things I had learned each week or some things that I were interested in um, or that I was interested in. And uh, it's just kind of evolved and it's been fun and been getting good feedback. So we'll see what this looks like in podcast form. <laughs> this uh, is the pilot. So yes. be nice. Um, So we're going to start off, I think, talking about some of the things in tech um, Mm -hmm. that I mentioned uh, this year throughout the vibe. It has been a wild year in tech. Um, So much has happened. Um, AI has completely revolutionized everything uh, that we know. Um, And it was just a little more than a year ago that OpenAI released ChatGPT. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I feel like it's every day being talked about in our office and used and in the news. So it's wild that it's only been a year. Yeah, so since then, um, most people are probably familiar with ChatGPT at this point. There's been a ton of innovations in AI. Um, What's been really cool is kind of seeing some of the competition among those large language models in AI um, between ChatGPT and Anthropic's Claude um, and then Google's Bard as well. And then uh, Gemini coming out hopefully over the next couple of uh, weeks as well with their their bigger platform. Um, How have you been using AI mostly between those three LLMs um, in your day? Personally, I love using ChatGPT as kind of like ideation, kind of brainstorming and thinking about what kind of content would be interesting on a marketing sense. Like this is our target audience that we usually appeal to or the, you know, the average home buyer for us tends to be in this demographic. What do they care about? What are they looking up? What are what matters to them? And then taking that and act, asking it to act as a world-class content marketer and creating a plan for how to distribute that content in a way that is going to fit best. Um, but you're the one that turned me on to this, but something that I've really noticed is that Claude is great for writing copy. I really like the tone and just the natural conversational feel of the copy that Claude comes out with. So that's really where I've been leaning for more of the actual writing side of things. What about you? I know you use it for a wide variety of things. Yeah, I still think um, the uh, GPT-4 is probably the best overall model um, for doing a wide array of tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good at writing, problem solving, brainstorming, um, math, all kinds of different things. Um, But like you said, I think Claude is really good for for writing and it has its own purposes um, as well. And I think what's interesting is between those two, you have to kind of prompt them differently Mm -hmm. to get the results that you're seeking. And so if you spend a lot of time in ChatGPT and really dive deep on layering the prompts and uh, asking the right questions and and trying to frame things the right way to get the responses you're looking for, if you use that same uh, methodology in in Claude, you tend to get uh, a little different response. Um, Hmm. And so... I think you have to learn the nuance between those two. Um, and then as, as BART improves with the integration of Gemini, um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out too. Um, I think yeah. 
what I'm excited about with, with Gemini is that obviously we're in the Google suite in our workplace um, and to have that integrated through Sheets and Docs and, mm -hmm. and our calendar and everything else that we're doing is going to be really cool. Um, I think it's just going to make things a lot quicker and easier and um, allow us to, to have a little bit more seamless integration in those areas. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and with ChatGPT too, I think one of the things that's most exciting is all of the plugins and all the multifunctional features that it has, reading a PDF and using that for data analysis. For me, using Canva and kind of directly pushing content over into templates in Canva, that's been a huge time saver. But like you said, these things are just evolving in real time and getting better every day. So it's yeah. been really exciting. And speaking of Canva, I mean, they as a company are just so impressive to me. They're constantly upgrading and adding new features. And their Magic Studio was something that I actually wrote down as one of my favorite finds of the year and just the ways that they are taking text to image or allowing you to swap out something inside of an image, extend the background. I mean, there are just so many ways that you can use AI natively in Canva in a tool that is so user-friendly, whether you're a graphic designer or a total novice. I think that's one of the coolest things about AI in general. It, you know, there was a period in time where in order to do graphic design and to be really good at that work, you needed a four or five or six year degree. Right. Um, you need to have an art background probably and um, just have so much talent specifically in that area where AI now enables everyday humans um, that have no background <laughs> like us. in art um, and no skill in art to be able to do some cool things with it. And I think Canva is a really great example of that. It really kind of at first, I felt like it kind of dumbed down marketing and design, mm -hmm. um, but I think what it's done probably over the last two to three years is really, it's kind of leveled up quite a bit. And obviously, there's still great things you can do in Photoshop and some of the Adobe products, but mm -hmm. I think what Canva offers is that intuitive, great user experience um, mm -hmm. that's just simple for those that maybe aren't so deep into the little bit more complex world of, of Adobe. Yeah, and the way I think of it too, like with Canva, I think someone asked recently at a talk we were at, do you have a fear that... ChatGPT is going to force people to be lazy thinkers or to, you know, kind of cheat, like using a calculator instead of knowing math. And the answer that the speaker gave I thought was great, which is no, it allows you to kind of jump over those mundane tasks and get straight to the higher level thinking. And I think that's the same with Canva. You know, you don't have to spend 20 minutes adjusting the background color in order to get it exactly where you want it, you can jump right over that and spend your creativity and your mental power on high-level marketing strategy and just really leveraging your time to focus on the things that you uniquely are great at. And so Canva, I think, is another great tool just like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And similar with um, Wix for websites. You know, mm -hmm. In the old days, I remember when we first got into real estate, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars to get a website built um, to be able to do the things that you wanted it to do. And now with, with Wix and some AI and different integrations that they have, you can have that multi-thousand dollar site um, created in a day right. by yourself um, without really much of a tech background at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you do need to get a little bit techy and add in some unique features or buttons or tools or different things, you can now use ChatGPT and other products to actually do that backend code for you uh, without having been trained in, in coding and, and, and being a software engineer. Engineer. And so I think it's just allowing people without uh, the technical training and skills to be able to do some of the th same things that um, these folks have been able to do in the past and in real time, which is really cool to see. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And Wix, for someone that's a control freak like me over the fonts and the colors on the website, it's nice not to have to go to a software engineer or, you know, a website developer when you want to change a small thing. And so it does yeah. put it kind of in your hands, which is great. So as you know, I've been playing around a lot with uh, AI art. Um, I like uh, that as kind of a little hobby to 
create silly photos and sometimes more artistic things uh, in there. I constantly have a different uh, background on my computer from, <laughs> from something I created. Um, but it's really cool to see this kind of competition and, and uh, other companies kind of take off in this realm as well. Obviously, uh, MidJourney seems to be kind of the leader mm-hmm. um, in terms of the AI art creation. Um, it's my favorite. They just released version six, which is um, so much better than, than the previous versions. And, and they've gotten incredibly better just over the last two years where some of the things that you can create in terms of uh, photo art is, is indistinguishable mm-hmm. from a real photo, which is absolutely incredible. ChatGPT now has um, Dali kind of built into the main platform, so it's really easy to utilize that to create um, art and images as well. Um, what has been your experience uh, using those models, if any, and what do you like and, and don't like about them? I was going to say, I probably haven't dove as deep into that as you have. Um, honestly, most of what I'm doing for image creation is more in Canva. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of curious to ask you, because obviously Dali is um, embedded in ChatGPT, but it seems like you prefer MidJourney. But are you still using ChatGPT to craft your prompts for MidJourney? And if so, what kind of best practices or tricks have you learned through that process? Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of like the debate between Claude and um, and ChatGPT in terms of, you know, what one's better for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want something to look super realistic and, and be photo quality, um, I don't think you can really beat MidJourney at mm-hmm. this point. I think it's the best at that. Um, the way that you have to prompt either platform is very different to get mm-hmm. the results that you want. Um, there's definitely formulas um, that you can kind of template in MidJourney to make make things look exactly the way that you want them to look. Um, but what I've been doing lately with with MidJourney is kind of um, creating uh, a ChatGPT bot essentially um, with those templates and prompts mm-hmm. in them, so that each time I want to create an image or or an artistic scene, it already knows how to frame that in a way that MidJourney best understands mm-hmm. and gives me the output that I want. Um, but even for someone who doesn't have any experience delving into that world right now you could literally just um you know type something like a uh, miami dolphins helmet (laughs) uh, (laughs) top of mind (laughs) it'll do a pretty good job um but if you really want to refine that and and dig a little bit deeper and get exactly what you're looking for um it's it's a bit of an art and it's Mm -hmm. it's fun um and that's why also there's so many uh so much discussion right now around copyright infringement and things too what are your what are your thoughts on that is uh, i think new york times just filed um uh, the first big lawsuit against uh, OpenAI with ChatGPT. Yeah, I think it's tricky, and it is amazing because these images are just getting better and better. What popped to my mind as you were speaking was the image of the Pope in the big white puffer jacket <laughs> that was all over. But I mean, it was so realistic that people, you know, one hundred percent believed it. Um, I think with copyright, it's difficult because I can see both sides of it. If you are an artist and you make your living off of your photography or your paintings. It does feel like a real threat, I'm sure, to your livelihood, and that is your intellectual property. So I understand that. At the same time, it, I think, is impossible to argue that we aren't all naturally, as humans, influenced by one another. And, you know, this painter might be influenced by a painter that came 100 years before them, or photographer, and all of that. So I think, hopefully, government regulation will catch up in a way where these things are clearly like watermarked and it's very transparent what is generated by AI and what is not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think overall, I'm just excited about the possibilities there. I mean, um, even the text to image and text to video creation of 
a program like Pika, which we just started playing around with, is light years better than Runway ML a few months ago when I was trying to do the same thing there. Um, and so just the possibility as a marketer and as a content creator to be able to type in a prompt and put out a video on the other end or generate B-roll for our marketing content. I mean, there are so many ways that we can incorporate this. And I think it's really good for humanity overall, as long as there's transparency around what's what. What about you? What yeah, do you think? I think transparency is key, like you said, and just making sure that um, the audience understands, you know, where things were created mm-hmm. and where the information came from. But I think kind of like you alluded to, it, it, it may be the unpopular opinion, but I think it's, it's difficult to argue that humanity for all of history hasn't simply just built on mm-hmm. what others have done before us. You know, every musician has, has learned from their favorite musician before them right. and have incorporated elements of, of what they did prior. Artists, the same thing. Um, and certainly, you know, a college professor that puts out a, a, a publication or a book or something mm-hmm. has, has just gathered all this knowledge from other sources over right. time and they're just kind of regurgitating it in their own in their own way. And so I think the copyright issue is is challenging. It'll be interesting to see how this um, this court case plays out mm-hmm. over the next several months. But um, I think it's I think it's a really delicate balance between you know infringing on someone else's uh, artistic abilities and mm-hmm. work and 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 just kind of doing the same thing that humanity has has always done. Yeah, and uh, potentially slowing progress down mm-hmm. in the way. And so it is it's a delicate balance. If you get too restrictive, then you're going to slow down humanity's progress, and that's. Not something anybody wants, so I completely agree. Well, speaking, though, of AI-generated art, I couldn't go through this podcast reviewing 2023 without reviewing our favorites of your mid-journey creations because there were quite a few interesting ones. I think one was a gorilla in a suit at one point, (laughs) but I think my favorite that just popped into my mind was the one where you did Jerry Seinfeld's elementary school Mm. picture. (laughs) It was so realistic, and he was such an adorable little kid in that picture. What about you? Do you have any favorites of ones that stand out? I love the Seinfeld one, too. That was really fun (laughs) to make. Um, It's just it's so cool because um, it's almost like, you know, you fall asleep and you dream things that happen that it's it's kind of tough to visualize or describe what that visualization might be when you Mm -hmm. wake up the next morning to someone else. But with with AI now, you can describe it to the AI and it'll actually create that image for right. you, um, whether you're an artist or not, which is just incredible. Um, the Seinfeld one was really cool. Um, I created uh, one that was like a lion growing out of a tree that I really mm-hmm. liked that I think is my desktop background right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so much fun to kind of play around with that and see what you can create. I like creating different landscape scenes. Um, I think it's cool just to figure out if um, if you can kind of trick people in terms of what's real and what's not in images. <laughs> Back to copyright yeah. issues. <laughs> so um, I, I did a couple of, like portraits of uh, Gandhi and, and mm-hmm. MLK and some other figures, too, that I think are really tough to distinguish uh, from from the real thing. So it's yeah. it's really fun to play with and um, you can you can get lost. It's almost like the TikTok scroll where you can you can find yourself going deep into the image creation for, for hours at a time if you let yourself. I've witnessed you doing some of that. Well yeah. two more that we have to highlight now that you're saying real people is Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. doing jazz. That was a great one. And speaking of real people, our little assistant, Avery her sticker business and that was kind of another fun application of using AI in an artistic sense to create something you know a business from nothing basically and yeah that's been a cool experience for her yeah it's been fun and you know there's always that debate ever since you know we were kids and probably before then that you know kids are are not outside playing enough they're not doing mm-hmm. kid things and they're too glued to their phones or video games or whatever it might be and 
um, I think there is a balance to that. You know, we want our kids to be out there in the world and, and playing in the woods and, and riding bikes and doing all those kinds of things, which they do. But also, like, the world is, is moving in a digital direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that they understand this technology and, um, and, and are able to utilize it in their daily lives. And so um, Avery's been having some fun with ChatGPT and, and MidJourney and creating things, too. But um, it's cool to kind of see her turn that into a little business and little sticker designs um, that turn out really cool. Um, and, and they're things that other people are interested in, too. And so mm-hmm. I think there's ways to incorporate technology into our kids' lives that um, is helpful and not detrimental. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as that there's there's clear monitoring of what's going on and, and how they're utilizing it, um, I think it's it's just setting them up for success in the future. Yeah, and it's exciting. I mean, how many eight-year-olds can launch a sticker business? Mm-hmm. And think about trying to do that 20 years ago, you know, without technology would have been quite an undertaking. Um, but speaking about incorporating technology into daily life, as I was reviewing a lot of the essays, you know, the first portion of the vibe, one of the things that I reflecting back have been most excited about was talking about how AI is going to be incorporated in daily life in the future and thinking about how your car will just go pick up groceries for you. Your home robot, which sounds like science fiction, but it really isn't, will clean your floors, do your laundry, do your dishes, put everything away. And the idea of doing mundane household chores eventually will be eliminated. And when I say eventually, it's probably within five to 10 years for a lot of people. Um, And I think that's really exciting. And when I think about, again, like when you can leverage technology to free up the time that you're spending on mundane tasks that don't really require a lot of brain power, and you think about what sort of quality pursuits you can reallocate that time to, I think both of us get really excited about that. Yeah, it's funny. We have conversations almost every day with people and and talk about some of these things and they just kind of roll their eyes you know like it's the the Jetsons and it's you know 100 years or 200 years in the future and I think it's really exciting to see the progress of of some of this technology now and you know just like simple things like you know a computer used to be the size of a room and cost five million dollars and and you know governments were the only people that that had them at the time and We've seen, you know, in, in not that uh, long of a time period, how how the technology has gotten better and smaller and right. cheaper and more affordable, and we're going to continue to see that. I think with AI and, and robotics and, and different ways we're in- integrating technology in our lives too. And I think what's really cool now is like, um, I you know I heard uh, someone talking about this that you can you can now on average I think uh, access the internet and and obtain a smartphone for about twenty dollars. Uh, which is actually cheaper than getting water and um, electricity in, in many parts of the world. And so the more we develop this technology, the more it's democratized, I think the better uh, life is going to be for especially those that are in the bottom 1%, right. 2%, 3%. It's going to allow them to have opportunities and to see the world and to learn and do things that they couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. It is. It's fascinating. For anyone that's listening to this that hasn't really delved into this topic, I think the best thought leader is probably Peter Diamandis to talk about how these technologies will impact the future of humanity. And it's really interesting to think about. A lot of times I think we approach technology or gaps in equity from a very pessimistic view, and that's not to ignore that there are real problems in the world that need to be solved. Um, But something I found really striking in what he said is the quality of life for even the bottom 10% of those living in poverty right now is better than what the monarchy was living with in the 1400s. And so, again, that's not to say that we can't do better and we can't serve those in need better, but it is really kind of heartening to think about the progress that we've made as humanity um, and how we've made in 
medicine and being able to feed people. I mean, what back in the 1400s, I don't remember what the stat was, but it's something like 80% of the pop population engaged in farming in some method just to be able to feed the world. And now it's less than 3%, I think, that feeds the entire world. And so just the ways that we are leveraging technology to create a better quality of life for one another and where that's going to go in the future, it's really exciting to think about. I mean, streaming at home robots, think about that in a medical sense, which is a whole other realm of AI that's really fascinating. AI is great at processing huge amounts of information very quickly and very efficiently without gaps in communication and all the human errors that we make and you know biases and emotion and all of that. So think about how quickly we're going to be able to progress in disease diagnosis, in pooling all of the medical research around new treatments and new drugs to treat certain diseases, and just in exponentially quicker time periods iterating and get getting better and better and i think you were saying the other day that the average lifespan for our kids mm -hmm. is pro most likely going to be well over 100 years old mm -hmm. and a lot of it is due to ai and these sorts of advances that we're making yeah it was actually one of the early uh, vibe topics i think was like the, um, thinking about the good old days <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know i think humans are are programmed almost to think about the past in a positive light you know mm -hmm. we, we always think that yesterday was maybe better than things are today uh, when in fact that's just it's been proven time and time again that's just simply not true as a society you know there wasn't that long ago where our lifespans were 40 and 50 years old right. uh, where we didn't have indoor plumbing um, you know the infant mortality rate was just through the roof and so there's just there's been so many advancements in such a short period of time that have really changed the world for the better um, and I think we're going to continue to see that over time, too. And I think um, as long as we continue to, to utilize technology responsibly and ethically mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there's some guardrails in place uh, to do that, then I think our lives are going to continue to get better overall as a, as a society. Um, and uh, one, one of the thought leaders that I really <laughs> enjoy um, reading and, and listening to is Mark Andreessen. And uh, Mark wrote uh, the Techno Optimist uh, Manifesto recently. <laughs> um, and it's a... It's a really fascinating um, uh, opinion piece really on the future of technology and why people should be really excited about all the technology and things that are happening. You know, there's people seem to fall into two camps. They're either like terrified of it and thinking it's going to take over the world and destroy us all like the Terminator. Um, or they're really excited about it and they see the possibilities and the opportunities that it presents. Um, and I, I certainly fall in the uh, techno optimist end of things. Mm -hmm. I think that um, technology will continue to improve our lives and, and make the lives of those around us better too. I agree. And that also reminds me a little bit of the topic that you put out recently about multi-generational dynamics. And I think while we do want to continue to innovate and I'm very excited about where technology is going to take us, I think there's value too in looking back on the good old days, not as being better, but taking the wisdom of people that have come before us. Because it's so interesting when you think, this reminds me of... Um, Tony Robbins talks about the four seasons in history and he talks about how, you know, when during winter, during hard times, you forge people that are tougher, that have just been through things. And then comes a spring where things are, you know, kind of in renaissance and then a summer where you're enjoying. And so it just kind of goes on and on like that. But history really does just repeat itself. I mean, it rhymes. And so when we can learn lessons from the people that came before us and look back with honor on what they have to offer from a wise perspective, but not think that that means everything was better a hundred years ago and kind of marry the two, like you said, take fresh ideas, innovation, hope for the future and optimism 
and combine that with wisdom and lessons from the past, I think that's where magic really happens for humanity. And so it's just, it's really exciting to me to think about where we're headed as a species. And I wish that more people felt that way because sometimes you do, you get bogged down in the news and you hear all the things that are going wrong and you forget to focus on the things that are going right. Yeah. The best thing to do is is turn off the news um, (laughs) because it just doesn't leave you typically feeling better uh, than when you started. Absolutely. Um, But I I just think it's, um, it's, it's just much easier to go through life waking up optimistically and thinking like Mm -hmm. today and tomorrow is going to be better than, than yesterday. You know, why, why would we not think that way? And I know that, you know, people struggle with mental health and, and different things that, that can get us down for periods of time. But I think, part of the enjoyment of life is is looking forward to tomorrow right. while also enjoying the present and, and you know being involved with those around you but but if tomorrow in your mind is always going to be better better than today i think it's just it, it makes life so much better and, and more absolutely. fun absolutely well, talking about speaking waking up with optimism one of the things on my list to talk to you about was morning routine mm-hmm. something that has always been important to us and i think it's um First of all, I'd be curious to hear your take on why a morning routine is so important, but then also kind of what you view as the most important aspects of your morning routine at this point. Yeah, um, so I, I did not have a morning routine really at all for most of my life. I was I was the kid that had to be drug out of bed in the morning, similar to our, our mm. little girl. I know one of those, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, really what kind of just changed my life as a whole uh, when we were both teachers was reading The 4-Hour Workweek, mm-hmm. um, Tim Ferriss's uh, first book. And it it just opened a world of possibility. Um, it showed me what was out there in the world and, and um, what it meant to take risks. And um, in order to be able to, to leave teaching and explore entrepreneurship and business and real estate and all those things that we're into now, it was a big risk. But, but what that taught me, uh, what that book taught me was the bigger risk was being in a career for 30 years that I didn't enjoy or that wasn't for fulfilling for me. Um, and I think most people don't look at the world that way. Um, but as you begin to kind of reframe your mindset and, and think about taking calculated risk and, and diving into entrepreneurship or, or whatever it is that you're passionate about, it kind of ro- reprograms the way that you think about your day. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, what that did was I wanted to get as much out of every single day as possible. And if we wake up um, kind of slowly in the morning, we're scrolling through our phones and we just kind of fall into the day. Uh, you've already lost half the day at that point because it takes another couple hours to probably get into that focused mindset for work or whatever it is that you're doing that day. And so for me, it's critical that I need to start my day very early. Uh, We have a busy work day every single day. Uh, We have a family that we want to spend time with. Uh, We like to go on date nights on occasion and and spend time with friends. And there's just so much in life that we want to enjoy and do. And so for me, that means waking up at 4.15 in the morning um, I like to uh, get out of bed and go straight to the gym. I enjoy my CrossFit workout at 4.45 with my early morning crew uh, <laughs> each morning. So I spend about an hour doing that. Um, on the way to and from the gym, which is only about a 15-minute uh, ride for me, I'm listening to a podcast. Um, lately, I've been uh, very deep in the Founders podcast, mm-hmm. loving some of the stuff that's coming out of there. <clears throat> uh, when I get home, uh, I jump in the shower and get ready. Uh, as much as I can uh, for the day and then head downstairs and the first thing I do um, is uh, fill out my gratitude journal Um, and I have a uh, one that I really like because 
there's prompts in it. It's beyond just writing down, you know, something you're grateful for. It's, you know, it's about setting intention for the day. Uh, there's positive affirmations in it. There's prompting questions about things that you might be grateful for or kind of forces you to think a little bit differently about your day. Um, so that's really helpful for me. That's about a five or ten minute task, depending on the day. Um, from there, I jump right into reading. I like to read for about 30 minutes every morning. Um, usually a business book, but not always. Um, and then after that, I make my uh, fancy protein smoothie uh, that you share with me. <laughs> Which I get the leftovers of. It sounds yeah. really good. <laughs> um, and take a stack of supplements that is probably bigger than my hand. And, mm-hmm. and I think most health experts would say is, is probably too much and, and <laughs> trying to fine tune things a little bit too much. But I like experimenting and, and kind of treating myself as a guinea pig. And um, and then from there, we, we, we spend some time with our kids, drop them at school, and, and head into work for the day. And I think if I didn't have that four or five hours in the morning to do all of those things to get me in the right um, health, the right mindset, the right focus, uh, I know that the rest, the, the next eight hours of the workday would be not nearly as productive. And I couldn't be the person that I need to be when I show up to work without that routine. The downside of that routine is I have to go to bed early. Um, I cannot be up at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Um, like a lot of people are, uh, because I just I simply can't can't live on on getting that little sleep for for so long. And so, usually by nine o'clock, I'm out um, during the week. I stay up a little later on the weekends, um, but I really enjoy that routine. It really I feel like I'm making progress every day in my health and my mindset and, and business. And if I'm just doing a little bit better each day, then it's it's a day that I feel like I've won. Yeah. I think it's so important. I agree. And, and you were the one that turned me on to it, but it's been a huge quality of life improvement for me too. And I think part of it is when you wake up and you set the time that you wake up and you decide what you do first thing and you consciously choose things that you know are going to put you in a positive state, you're in action and you're being proactive and kind of getting momentum going into your day and forward progress. You're not jumping into reactivity immediately. And I think that's the problem is when you don't take that time to kind of set what sort of mental state you want to walk into your day with. For me, part of it is always looking at the calendar so I can anticipate what's coming up that day. Um, But just getting into a sense of agency and that you have control over how your day is going to go, I think it's so helpful. When the first thing you do is open an email in the morning, then you're constantly just responding to what's coming at you. And that's not a good mental state to get into your day. And so I'm not quite as hardcore as you, but I'll run through my current morning routine too, just for those of you who maybe are not quite as as hardcore as Dustin. So I tend to wake up around more like 5.45 or so. And I'm different than you in that I kind of like to ease into my morning routine. And so what I usually do is turn on the light over my bed, sit up, and jump right into more of like a journaling state of mind. And so you got me for Christmas last year, which I've loved. I think it's called the One Line Journal. And it's just one line about what you did that day. But it the way that the pages are set up is that that calendar day you'll get to look back on for five years in a row. And so what I'm really excited about is I'm coming to the very end of my first year. So next year, every day when I write in it, I'll get to look at what I was doing that exact same day last year. And I love it because it's just a little like, hey, it was a great busy day at work. And then we had a date night at La Fable. Shout out to La Fable. Um, you know, great day. But it's just cool to them to be able to look back. So I like to do one thing where I'm reflecting back on the day before. And then I write a little, do a little bit of journaling about just where my head's at today, what I'm thinking about, and my gratitude for the day ahead. And I think personally that gratitude is one of the most important things that you can do. 
um, I think it's Tony Robbins that says, and it's super cheesy, but it's so true. When you trade your expectations for appreciation, everything changes. And, and it's just, we are so blessed. And most people that I know are so blessed. And as humans, we tend to focus on the worst things in our lives. And so just reframing that mindset for me is amazing. Um, but from there, then I roll out of bed closer to like six o'clock-ish. And I've found this is more for the ladies out there, but I work out at home. We have two young kids. We can't both be gone in the morning. And I being more introverted, kind of like just being by myself in the mornings, at least before my coffee. Um, But I love the Tone It Up app. There's great workouts on there. You can get a really good workout anywhere from 10 to 45 minutes, depending on how much time you have, hit, strength training. I just have a couple sets of dumbbells and use that. And I think it's like $12.99 a month. But I don't even think I've told you this, except that you probably embarrassingly saw me do it yesterday. But one of my Instagram ads recently was something called Dance Bit. And it was like learning how to be a really good dancer at home. But it's like a workout app, essentially. But that's been really fun. So that's the kind of workouts I've been doing. And it's like hip hop dance moves. And you just can't help but be in a good mood when you've spent 15 minutes just dancing like a crazy person in your PJs first thing in the morning. Um, So for me, I like to do that then get showered, start getting the kids ready, which is always a little bit unpredictable when they wake up and all that. Um, And then same as you, like listen to a podcast while I'm getting ready, something that's either inspiring or is helping me to learn something in a different area than I usually exercise my mind in um, and then get off to the day. But it is, it's just great to start your day every day, knowing that you have control of your state and kind of get into that momentum in the direction that you want your day to go. And it's hard at first. You know, I think people try it for a day or two and they're like, this is too hard. I just, I can't operate on this little sleep or, or I just can't get into this routine or exercise isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a million books out there that talk about how to how to create the habit. I think Atomic Habits is one of the biggest books mm-hmm. this year that, that goes deep into this too. But if you just commit to doing this for for a week and then two weeks and then three weeks and then four weeks, it becomes second nature. And it's not as hard every day if you just have that habit and that routine in place and that discipline to keep doing it every single day. Right. And those those first few days are definitely hard. <laughs> They're a big adjustment. Um, but I promise you, you will feel better if you just commit to that routine. And I, to me, I think the, the most important aspect of all of it is is to get your body moving. I agree. Um, what, you don't have to go to CrossFit and do a crazy workout like I do, but Go for a walk, do a workout at, at your home like you talked about with Tone It Up or whatever else. Um, it can be simple, easy, fun, mm-hmm. but you have to get your body in, in motion, I think. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that um, Andrew Huberman always talks about is also getting some form of natural light just, just as, as quickly thing. as possible. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard in the wintertime here because you know it's not, it's not bright out or the sun doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it comes out until noon. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then goes down at three. <laughs> yeah, and then it's gray and dreary and, and not fun, but... Um, as soon as you can get exposure to natural sunlight, I think that's huge. And, and we have one of those um, sunlight lamps, too, that mm-hmm. I use every morning when I'm reading that I think is like a, a kind of a substitute for that when we can't get the natural light. Yeah, I forgot that is part of my morning routine. Mine, Mine's weird. If someone watched me, they would be like, wow, she's a you're, crazy you're person. Yeah. I am. Um, but the other thing that I do literally is stick my, we're on the second floor of bedroom, literally just stick my head out the window and look out at the trees and just kind of like try to get some of that morning light because it does. It wakes you up. Now that it's cold out, too, it kind of like, whoo. Mm-hmm. wakes you up a little bit my dream is to have a personal cryo chamber that i can get into for that it's a little more fancy cold, than sticking uh, your head out the window because <laughs> um, the cold showers just don't do it for me i want to i want the shower to be relaxing and i try to turn it on cold for a minute or two to get the benefits mm-hmm. but i love the cryo chambers because you can get in you're not wet at the time and you get cold yeah. and get out and uh, that's that's a goal yeah 
I'm just picturing where you're going to put it in our house. I'm just, I'm just put it in your closet because it's, it's big enough to accommodate no, probably with all I those. need all. Yeah. I've got some plans for that space. Um, well, let's shift gears a little bit and um, talk about some movies and shows that we mm. watched this year and that I included uh, in the vibe uh, because there was it was a really good year for that. I think coming off of COVID and and um, you know with Hollywood strikes and everything mm-hmm. going on, it seems like there was kind of a, a lapse in quality content for a mm-hmm. little while. But I think this year was a really strong year for for new stuff. What was your um, favorites of the year? That's funny. That's one of the things I wrote down. Um, I think. And the ones that I was looking back at, my favorite movie might have been of new movies, um, A Haunting in Venice. That was a really good movie. And I love Agatha Christie books and like Poirot novels in particular. And so I think it was kind of like right in my niche, but it was just scary enough that I think it was also something that you really enjoyed. So that was one that I really liked. And then this didn't come out this year, but it's just my number one favorite movie is About Time. And you put that in the... Um, in the vibe, I think once or twice. And I just, I love that movie. I can't help but watch it and then feel happier and more optimistic afterwards. So those are probably my top two movies. I agree. Um, I love uh, About Time. I'm kind of a, a sappy uh, rom-com, uh, romedy, I guess. I don't know I don't know what the <laughs> phrase is for it now, but um, I enjoy those kind of movies too. Through that or horror and, and war. And I enjoy like the slasher <laughs> horror movies too. Yeah. I remember watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre probably way too young, um, but or. those those kind of movies are, are a lot of fun too. What's the Red Rum movie? The Shining? Uh, the Shining, yep, yeah. That was, yeah. yeah that, was, that was a great one. Um, yeah. <laughs> you were, what, nine? <laughs> maybe, maybe nine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I remember trying to go upstairs at, at, at our house at home and my dad yelling red rum as, as an eight-year-old tried to tumble up the dark stairs. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, but I had a good childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got into uh, a bunch of different uh, shows this year, too. My my favorite, and I can't remember if it was this year or maybe late last year, too, but um, was the We Crash show just looking on, at that. on Apple. Um, I thought that that was kind of an under the radar, mm-hmm. like incredible show. Mm-hmm. And and uh, for those of you who haven't seen it or, or haven't heard about it, it's kind of it tells the story of uh, WeWork, mm-hmm. um, kind of the rise and 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 ultimately as, we, as we've seen this year, the fall of, of WeWork as a concept. But um, Jared Leto and mm-hmm. uh, Anne Hathaway, Anne I think, Hathaway are, yeah. are, the, are the actors in it, and they just did an incredible job um, with that. Mm-hmm. And the story is just so compelling. Um, for me, it's kind of like a, a motivating story for, for entrepreneurship and business, um, just to kind of see people that dream really big and, right. and do some really crazy and dumb things. But um, it's just kind of inspiring to see mm-hmm. what can happen with big dreams and surrounding yourself with the right people. And so I, I, I really enjoyed that series. Had a great soundtrack, too. It did, yeah. I still listen to that. Often playing in the office, yeah, that soundtrack. Absolutely. Another one that I was seeing on here, which I had recent one that we both really enjoyed, was The Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. That was a great movie. And we kind of hesitated to commit to it at first because it's so long. I think, yeah. what, three, three and, and a half? half hours, yeah, think, so yeah. long. But it's worth it. And the story in that, the fact that mm-hmm. it's based on a true story is absolutely insane. Yeah. And, and with, again, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, you really can't go wrong with a cast like that. Yeah. Um, so that was a great one. And then there were some that weren't like the most highbrow life changing, but I just really enjoyed watching. And I think my favorite in that category was that show Jury Duty. Mm, Do you remember that? It was I've totally forgotten about it. But essentially, the concept is that it's a fake jury. Mm -hmm. Like and so there's this one guy who they just happen to pick like the nicest guy in the entire world. He's like the best guy. 
Roland, Ronald, something. Was that his name? I don't remember his name. But anyway, he thinks that he's being selected for jury duty in L.A. Just happens to be on there with James Marsden, which is hilarious that that didn't tip him off that something was up. And it was just a like a little reality series about how he reacted to yeah. all of this insanity going on around the trial. It was so funny. It was, it was fun and, and relaxing. It was a nice thing to watch before going to bed. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that, too. So it's been uh, it's been a fun year. Twenty twenty three is definitely one of the most memorable years for me um, in real estate. It was chaotic. Uh, the market was nowhere near what it was in twenty twenty one. For uh, for our business, I'm looking forward to twenty twenty four. You know, mm-hmm. I think we've got some exciting things on the horizon there. But what are the biggest things that you're looking for as we head into this new year? Uh, what are you excited about? Yeah, some of it's kind of the same as the best parts of 2023, which to me has been a lot of learning and dipping my toes and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone a little bit, forcing myself to do things like public speaking at conferences and things that just are not natural to me and kind of force me to get out there and be a little bit courageous. So I'm excited to tackle more things like that. Um, I'm really excited about the team that we have at the Parker Group and just continuing to grow with them. I think we have a really clear vision for 2024 and I think it's going to be a great year professionally because of that. There's honestly nothing more motivating than working alongside people that are bright and good people and that have a ton of capacity and like just seeing the things that you can create together. It's really creatively fulfilling. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm very excited about trips that we're going on. We have some fun trips coming up, most notably Switzerland this summer. So very excited about that. Going to try to link up with my family there and um, play like we're the children in the sound of music, which I realized didn't happen in Switzerland, but just running through the Swiss Alps and the mountains there will be, um, I don't know, just kind of a fun family experience. I'm really excited about that. Um, And I'm also excited for writing. I think I really want to get back to writing. It's something that really fills me up and try to actually get my novel published speaking of pushing myself outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. so i think yeah. those are the big ones for me what about you well first of all for those of you who don't know rachel has written an incredible novel <laughs> that she uh, never talks about um but i have been pushing her to to go ahead and move forward with trying to get it published and so i too look forward to that in 2024 <laughs> um and i'm gonna make sure that that happens um but yeah there's just so much to look forward to it's you know i've worked in a lot of different jobs in my life. I, I started working when I was like 13 years old. Um, uh, my brother had a lawn care company that I eventually took over. Um, worked at Sears selling things, um, on commission, worked at UPS, um, all kinds of different things. And, and I learned so much from each of those jobs, teaching politics. And I think what's unique about what we do now, um, in large part because of the people that we do it with is I look forward to coming to work every day. Um, and I think whenever you start a new job, you always kind of have that honeymoon phase mm-hmm. for the first month, two, three, four months, however long it lasts, where it's like, oh, this is fun. This is different. This is new. I'm learning. It's exciting. I like these people. But then it seems like over time that kind of fades a little bit and, and wears off. Um, and that uh, I'm more excited than ever now to show up to work mm-hmm. every day and, and work with the people that are around us and do all the cool, exciting things with technology and marketing and uh, business that we're, we're working on right now. So that's something I continue to look forward to in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also looking forward to our Europe vacation. Each year we try to take the kids somewhere new and different um, mm-hmm. and outside of all of our comfort zones. Right. Um, and so that's always a fun trip. 
and then uh, we'll have uh, a lots of uh, fun date nights uh, in 2024 as well. So I've got some cool, fun surprise ideas, and uh, we usually like to surprise each other uh, a few times a year with different date nights and overnight little trips and things. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of that, I'm excited for our Savage Race. No, Spartan Race this Spartan, year. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. What's the uh, distance on that one? It's a 21K, which is not quite a half marathon and 30 obstacles. And 30 obstacles. And I have not been uh, exercising to a level. I don't think my hip-hop dance workouts mm-hmm. are going to get me there. So yeah. I need to up my game a little bit. Yeah, I do too. Um, I played um, football in high school and have been doing CrossFit for a few years and have been very fortunate that I've never really injured myself in all of those things. Until until <laughs> the most uh, serious adult kickball game that we, we played <laughs> this year. We were in a, a, a silly kickball league and it, um, it's not silly according to a couple it, well, of our it, yeah it was, it was it got pretty intense but um, running to first base slipped in the wet grass uh, as I was I was running through the base and landed right on my left wrist. Uh, and it has not been the same ever since, and that was back in October. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to get that healed up and better so that I can participate fully in this uh, Spartan race. Welcome to your mid-30s. Yes. I'm uh, pretty sure there were several injuries during that game. I, I think wish Julie was, and Brian went down too. I wish it was a cool boxing story or, or a fight <laughs> or something, but um, no, I slipped at a child game. It was an intense adult competition. Yeah. Well, we... Uh, we did our first one. This is our first this is fun. podcast. Um, and hopefully all of you got some value or entertainment <laughs> or something out of this. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, it was fun for us. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to continuing these. Uh, our goal and plan is to release one every couple of weeks. Um, we'll spend some time talking about the different things that I write about in the vibe and just things that are going on generally. Um, but if you have feedback for us, or there's things you want us to talk about or mention or, or do, um, let us know. Um, but we're excited to kind of travel along this journey in 2024 and mm-hmm. see where it takes us. Yeah. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year.